0: here to tell you tonight that hearing God is actually one of the most normal things that we should do as followers of Jesus. It's something that we should do every day. John 10 tells us that his sheep hear his voice, meaning God's sheep hear his voice. And so if you didn't know it already, you're God's sheep. So congrats. That's great news. And this means that not only is it possible for each one of us who have received the gift of salvation to hear God that it's something that we should be doing all the time and so tonight I don't know where you're at I don't know if you're like yeah I hear from God like daily it's awesome or if you're like I don't know what I believe about that I don't know if that's in the Bible or maybe you believe that God speaks but you don't think he speaks to you like it's something that he does for other people and that he doesn't do it for you wherever you're at on the spectrum hang in there with me tonight stick with me because we're going to talk about it all and it's going to be great. Do I have any Bible nerds in here? I saw one thumbs up. That's so awesome. Well, this is going to be really awkward for the rest of you. Now, we're going to take a little quick history lesson. I promise it will be quick. We're going to start in Genesis, a little bit like what Malia did last week. But this is really important to understand the history of God speaking. And so we're going to go all the way to the back, to Genesis 1. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 tells us that God spoke the earth into existence with his words. And like we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit was also there. He was just hovering over the waters. I still don't know what that means, but he was there. Genesis then goes on to tell us that Adam and Eve spoke face to face with God in the garden. They lived in the Garden of Eden. It was a place of perfect communion with Jesus. And they got to speak to God the same way that I'm speaking to you guys right now. It was easy to hear the voice of God for them. But here's the thing. Sin came and frustrated their communion with God, as it does. And after Adam and Eve chose sin, Steve, Adam and Steve, that's heresy, no. Their communion with God was fractured. They were banished from the garden, and communication between men and women was now frustrated, and talking with God was now really hard, because they couldn't just walk up to God and have a face-to-face chat now anytime they wanted to. And so as we continue to read the Old Testament, we see that God begins to send the prophets and the judges and different kings and specific people to the Israelites, which are God's people, on God's behalf. And what this means is that it went from a place of perfect communion, of face-to-face communication with God to frustrated communication where the average person actually couldn't hear God for themselves. Instead, they had to go to their priest or to their prophet and have them go on their behalf to talk to God. Or God would send a prophetic word to his prophet and then he would send the prophet to tell the people the word. So not just anyone Could have access to God when they wanted which sounds kind of rough in my opinion because I'm really needy and I ask God a lot of things so it feels kind of hopeless it feels kind of hard but drum roll Jesus enters the scene as he does and he changes everything Jesus who radically changes and rewrites the story shows up as our mediator he came he lived a sinless life he suffered a horrific death but he rose victorious. By his blood, we are healed, we are set free. And because he stood as our mediator, he stood in the gap for us and paid the penalty of our sins, we no longer need to go through another person to be able to hear his voice. He paved the way for us. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, it shouldn't get any better than that, but it does, guys. So fast forward to the book of Acts. Jesus is like, guys, it's been awesome being here on earth with you guys, but it's actually time for me to go back to heaven now. And he says, the gift of the Holy Spirit is going to come and rest upon you guys. So he's like, so stay here in this upper room in Jerusalem. Just wait till the Holy Spirit comes. And they're probably like, how are we going to know when he's here? And he's like, you'll know. Just wait. Now, I don't have time to tell the whole story. So if you haven't read Acts chapter two, highly recommend you do that at some point. But basically, the Holy Spirit comes and he shakes everything up again. We call this Pentecost. And it basically is where now every person has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to hear God and that we're able to speak to him. Joel two twenty-eight through 29 says this. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy... Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So Joel, Old Testament, he was a prophet. So he was one of the special people that got to talk to God. Here he is prophesying about the future coming of the Holy Spirit. And what's really cool about this verse is that it's actually repeated in Acts 2. They literally say this verse in Acts 2 to show that the prophecy had been fulfilled. What this means is that God's voice is for all people. If you notice in this verse, it mentions men and women, the young and the old. It hits every category, servant, master. God's voice is for all of us. And so tonight, as you're sitting here, if there's any bit of you that says, yeah, but God doesn't speak to me, I want you to throw that lie out right now. Because this verse right here. It's been centuries in the making that God wants to speak to his people. He wants to speak to you. He's given us an infilling of himself. And it now lives inside all of those who call upon his name. This means that we have full access to God all the time. And that we can speak to him whenever we want. And also he can speak to us whenever he wants. So we don't have to go through a mediator or a priest or a pastor. We can just talk. To God. And the crazy thing is that we can actually expect him to talk back. In the Greek, there are two words for the word word. Kind of confusing, but hang in there with me. So these two words are the logos and the rhema. Can you guys say that with me? Logos and rhema. I promise there's a point to this. The logos word is the word of God. It is the expression of thought or word from God himself. So in our context, what we'll be using it for tonight is that the Logos is what we would consider the Bible. It is the spoken, recorded, and errant Word of God. Logos is also the name that John uses in John chapter 1 when he says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word is the Bible. The Word is also a name for Jesus, makes sense because the trinity as much as the trinity makes sense to us it all makes sense it's all connected so logos therefore is what we know that we know that we know that God spoke there's no question about it with that being said the main way that God speaks to us is through his word we can always trust God's word and anytime you want a word from God you've only to open this book and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it that's the simplest and the easiest and the most efficient way to get a word from God Because the Bible is our priceless handbook for life. And here's the thing, guys. Whether we know it or not, we need to hear from God daily. This means that we have to be in the word of God daily. Psalm 119 is a whole, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. If you've ever read it, it just like goes pages and pages and pages. But the reason it does is it's basically an acrostic program poem. Poem found the word it's an acrostic poem and basically it's all about the word of God and it asks the question specifically of how does a young person keep their way pure pure not just sexual purity purity of life purity of heart purity of path guess what the answer to that psalm is A young person keeps their way pure by living according to the word the logos of God so the logos is what keeps us grounded in the truth of God's voice. Now, do you guys remember the other word? Rhema. Good job. The Greek word rhema, on the other hand, is a little bit different. Some people have different interpretations of rhema depending on your theology and what you believe. But for our context tonight, we're going to keep it simple, and we're just going to define rhema as the words we hear God speak. So if you're praying and you're asking God, what am I going to do with my life, as we all do? a lot of the time, and you hear God say, I want you to be a counselor, or a zookeeper, or a mom, or a dad, that would be an example of rhema. It could be from God. It definitely could be from God, but we don't hold it with the same weight as we would a verse from the Bible, i.e. we also wouldn't add it to the canon of scripture. That would be weird if I added what was my calling to scripture so to simplify before we move on the logos is what god has already spoken it's old revelation aka the bible it's been around for a while and the rhema is what we are currently hearing god speak to us personally it's our new revelation the bible then is the main way that we determine whether other things we hear aka the rhema words are actually from god while the Logos never has to be questioned, the Rhema needs to be put through a process to make sure that it's really good. Because, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a lot of voices out there. We have our own internal voices and feelings and emotions. We have culture and the world telling us other things. And then you throw Satan in there, and he likes to tell us a lot of crazy stuff too. And while this isn't something to be fearful about, we have to be aware. followers of Jesus because we have to fight to lay a foundation of truth for ourselves to which we live and build our lives upon. I think a helpful analogy is how bankers have to study counterfeit bills. And the way that they do this, bankers have to be able to identify a fake when it comes into a bank. They don't ever actually study the fake bills. They only ever study the real thing. And so they'll get real dollar bills or $20 bills, whatever it is, and they'll study every corner, every piece. They'll flip it to the other side and study every part of that too. And that way, when a fake comes into the bank, they know so well what the real thing looks like that the fake thing, they immediately can call it out for what it is. It's the same way with the Bible. We have to study the real thing. We have to study what we know that we know that we know is God's word. Because if we do, when lies pop up, Or when the world tries to tell us something that's not actually true, we're going to be able to catch the fake much easier and much quicker. Hearing God is a skill. And the more we choose to learn and grow in it, the better we're going to be at it. Not because we're a super Christian or have like this super anointing on our life. A lot of things in the kingdom come from us just putting in the work to learn and grow and let God take us through a process. So how do we get good at hearing God? We cultivate a life around him speaking. We cultivate a life around the word of God. So on that note, let's actually get into the Bible a little bit. We are going to be turning to 1 Samuel 3. So if you have your Bible, feel free to go there. And this is the story of a young boy named Samuel and the first time that he ever heard God speak to him. To catch you up to speed of where we're at, because there's a couple chapters ahead of us that we haven't read yet, Israel at this time is in disarray, as they are a lot of the time. They are sinful, they're kind of running away from God, but kind of half in, half out. And at this time, the way that it worked in Israel is that there was a tabernacle, and there were priests who ran the tabernacle. And there was this priest, he was like the head priest, and his name is Eli. Eli. And he is trying to oversee Israel. He's offering sacrifices on the people's behalf. He's trying to steward the presence of the Lord and lead the people. And enter into the scene a woman named Hannah. Now, Hannah's just a normal woman. She lived kind of far away from the tabernacle. And so once a year, she would always journey with her whole family and come to the tabernacle for their one visit a year at the house of God. Imagine that, only getting to come to the house of God once a year. And Hannah's heart was broken. When she got to the house of God, she just got on her face, and she cried, and she began to pray. And specifically, she began to pray that God would give her a baby. She had been barren, and she desperately wanted a son. And as she was praying, she told the Lord, she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you, and he will serve you all the days of his life. Well, fast forward. Hannah goes home. God answers her prayer God gives her a son. He's born. His name is Samuel. He grows up a little bit, and then Hannah and her husband Elkanah, which I think is a super cool name. We'll not be naming my child that, but it's cool. Um, they bring Samuel back, and they give him to the Lord. And basically, Samuel doesn't grow up with his family. He grows up in the house of God to be trained to be a priest. And so this is where we pick up with Samuel's story. We're going to jump to verse 2 here. It says, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The ark of God was where God's spirit, where his presence rested. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. So here we see Samuel. He was probably elementary age school, so he was pretty young. He's laying down to go to sleep, and it's in this moment of quiet and stillness that God speaks to him for the first time in his life. When it comes to hearing God, how we position ourselves matters. Stillness and quiet are your best friends. We We talked about stillness and silence last semester, but it's worth mentioning again, because without creating space for God's voice, we're probably going to miss His voice. A good example of this is that when Chris and I go on a date, there's three things that we look for in a good restaurant. The first is obviously that the food is good, because who wants to pay a lot of money for food that sucks? The second thing we look for is nice lighting. We have a thing that fluorescent lights are the worst thing ever, and so nice lighting is very important. And the third thing is that we want to go somewhere that we can actually hear each other talk. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but most restaurants play really loud music, and it's super fun and bumping, but when you're trying to have a conversation with someone, it's really hard. Basically, I just described Postinos, if you must know. That's our perfect day place. Take notes, fellas. So, the reason that we do this isn't because we're anti-fun. We definitely go to restaurants that play music sometimes. But the reality is, the louder the atmosphere you're in, the harder it is to hear the person that you're trying to spend time with. So even if you love someone a whole lot, noise distracts you and it pulls you away. Similarly, our world is really loud. Most of us live constant, busy, crazy lives. If you live at GCU, there's literally thousands and thousands of people all around you at any given time. And while God could speak really loud, he could speak audibly and compete with the noise all around us, he usually doesn't. And if we aren't creating margin in our lives to be still and to be silent and to actually invite him to come speak, we just might miss his voice. Job thirty-three, fourteen 14 says, for God does speak, now one way, now another, now, though no one perceives it. I also like this in the message version. It says, God always answers one way or another, even when people don't recognize his presence. So I don't know if you picked up on that, but God's speaking is not contingent upon our comprehension of him speaking, which means that he is probably speaking to us more than we realize, but we might not actually be giving him the space to speak. A lot of times, that has to do with the sheer noise and chaos of our lives. I don't know about you guys, but for some reason, the first thing I want to do when I get up in the morning is check my cell phone. Why do I want to look at my phone at 6 in the morning? I cannot tell you, because probably there's just work stuff on there that I need to take care of. But we've been built into a culture of hurry and busy and fast-paced lifestyle. And it cuts in the way of our time and our intimacy with Jesus. The Bible tells us that God commonly speaks in what's called a still, small voice. And that term has never really resonated with me, and so I looked it up. And another way that it can be translated is simply to gentle whisper. And that means that God often speaks to us in a gentle whisper. And as we all know, whispers can easily be drowned out. And so we have to position ourselves to be able to hear. This is also why the environments that we put ourselves in deeply matter. I don't think it's a coincidence that Samuel was in the house of the Lord when he first heard God speak. There are places where God's presence just dwells. And these are places that he often speaks. This is part of the reason why our church family, why we have a college service, why we have life group, why we have discipleship, why we have a Sunday morning service. It's not because you're a better Christian if you come to more things. That's just works-based theology but it's because the presence of God rests here and as we hunger for the presence and voice of God there's something about consistently putting ourselves in environments where we know that he already is it doesn't guarantee that God's going to speak to us or answer the question on our heart but it does mean that we're putting ourselves in a position to receive from him if he does choose to speak and one last thing before we jump back into this scripture This one might sound a little weird, but I also think there's something significant about the fact that Samuel was laying down when God came to speak to him. And we talk a lot, and during response time, we're like, if you need to go to the front, if you need to sit on your knees, if you need to stand up, like, do it. And for whatever reason, there's a connection between our body and our soul, but sometimes when we move and we get into a different posture, it tells our soul to wake up and to listen. And it actually helps us step into a place of being able to receive from the Lord. And so as silly as it sounds, if you've never just laid on the floor and tried to hear from God, I would just encourage you to try it. You can do it in your bedroom by yourself or no one will see you, no one will judge you. But do it. Try it. Let's jump back into the scripture. We're going to jump down to verse 6. It says, Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up. He went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Most people, myself included, if we're honest, we have a hard time discerning the voice of God sometimes, which is why there are different ways that scripture teaches us to how to test and discern what is God's voice. And God is a relational God. He made us to be relational people, and he loves to speak to us and confirm what he's spoken through other people. In this story, we see God speak to Samuel through Eli. Samuel had never heard the voice of God before, but Eli had many times. He knew the tone of God's voice, and so here we see Eli actually helping Samuel learn how to hear and relate to the voice of God. The same is true for us, you guys. God speaks through pastors and sermons, through godly counsel, through your parents, your friends, your disciple, and even occasionally, maybe someone that you don't even know. The great Adam Reed likes to say that a lone ranger is a dead ranger. Oh yeah, he'll be here later this semester. In the context of hearing God, this is absolutely true. It's not an option to have other people be a part of the process of hearing God, but a necessity actually. Because when we hear a word from God and we're trying to figure out if it's from him or not, the first thing we do is take it to scripture And if it lines up with scripture, then we take it to the godly people in our lives that we trust, and we ask them for their help to illuminate it, to broaden it, to interpret it. 1 Corinthians 13.9 tells us that we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And all that means is that, in case you weren't aware, we're humans, and we get things wrong. And so part of that process is actually relying on other people to help us get it right. This is why our church values discipleship and life groups so much, because these are places that we actually actively read scripture, interact with it, ask God to speak, and then you, voila, have people right there to talk to about it. It's awesome. If you're not plugged into one of those things, talk to college staff, because we would love to help you get connected. Jumping to verse 10. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. We touched on this earlier, but you don't have to be a super Christian to hear God. He speaks to everyone, and he actually delights in using the least likely people to fulfill big things in his kingdom. It's something that's super cool about God, because he's actually just looking for someone who's willing to say yes. A surrendered heart is a heart that God is going to speak to. And God saw surrender in young Samuel's life. And when Samuel finally realized who it was that was calling his name, he immediately invited God to speak to him. He literally said, speak, for your servant is listening. Sometimes we run away from God's voice because we're afraid God's going to tell us to do something that we don't want to do. Even if it's for a valid reason, that kind of heart posture is one that's self-focused and it's full of fear means that we have a really small perspective of God. It means that our fear is actually greater than the God that we serve. One of the ways that we can grow most in hearing from God is to keep this heart posture in check. It's not bad to feel fear. It's not bad to have a hard time obeying the voice of God. But if we're willing to stay in that place, it will hinder us from being able to hear the voice of God. Because God is moved and God is attracted to people who already have a yes on their heart. Before he even speaks, this was the way Samuel was. And let me just tell you, we're not going to read it, but what God tells Samuel after he says, Speak, your servant's listening, it's not awesome. It's a prophecy about how God is going to come and basically destroy Eli's family because they had been so sinful. Eli was going to die, his sons were going to die, and God was going to take the priesthood from them and actually give it to Samuel. But Samuel was not expecting that. But we can't control what God's going to speak. And we can't limit God from speaking to us because we're afraid. We have to trust the one who is speaking more than what he's speaking. God is more after our hearts than anything else. And if we can learn to live dependent on God and his voice, even when our faith is lacking, even when we're scared to obey, he will give us the grace to say yes. Even if it's the smallest, most feeble, half-hearted yes ever, God's like, I can work with that. So, to sum up where we are so far. One, we position ourselves before the Lord in stillness and quiet. Two, we immerse ourselves in scripture. Three, we check our heart postures. And four, we invite other people into our process of hearing God with us. And all of these things will help grow our ability to hear God. Now, God speaks in a lot of different ways. He speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit, through dreams, through visions, through prophetic words, impressions, feelings, creation. There's even a weird story in the book of Numbers where he speaks through a donkey. The ways go on and on and on. And the reason they do is because God's not actually limited to a list. Like, there's a reason why there's not a list in the Bible of like, these are the only ways that God speaks. God, if you haven't found out by now he's not a god that likes to be put in a box he likes to do new things all the time and what's cool about this is that every single one of us in this room has a unique way that god wants to speak to us so if you're an artist god probably wants to speak to you through his art if you're a runner like chris he'll probably speak to you on your runs God never speaks to me on my runs because I'm not a runner, but that's okay because God speaks to me in different ways. And so in our process of walking and hearing God, we'll actually begin to pick up on the specific and unique ways that God wants to get to us. Because if God wants to speak to you, he's going to speak to you. If we're not hearing him, it's not because he's not speaking to us or he's not connecting on his side of things. It's usually more so an us problem. So What's cool is that we're in a series, and we're going to talk more about some of those different ways that God speaks in coming weeks. Specifically, we're going to talk about prophecy, we're going to talk about what it looks like to walk with the Holy Spirit in those different ways. But tonight, as I prayed and wrote this sermon, I felt like the Lord actually wanted me to focus more on what his voice sounds like than on the ways in which he speaks. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how God speaks, it just matters that he does speak to us. If we learn who he is and what his voice sounds like, we're going to have an easier time hearing him. We're actually going to have an easier time knowing him as well. Would you guys turn to Judges 6 with me? If you remember earlier, we talked about how God used judges to speak during the Old Testament. Here we have one of those judges. His name is Gideon. Now, this was also a bad time in Israel's history. Maybe all their time was kind of hard. I don't know. But basically, there were these Midianite raiders that kept coming and pillaging their land. So any crop they tried to grow, burned, pillaged. They were killing people. Israel was scared, and God was not speaking. So here we pick up at the beginning of Gideon's story. He's trying to harvest some crops and hide them away before they get stolen. And then the angel of the Lord comes to speak to him. While not named directly here, the angel of the Lord is considered a theophany, which is just an appearance of God in physical form. So when we read angel of the Lord, just read God in your head. Don't let that trip you up. Let's start in verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizreite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So we talked about earlier, there's a lot of voices in the world. Sometimes it's difficult to tell if it's God's voice, but God's voice always reminds us of who we are. Oh, man. Bear with me. God's voice is unique in the way that it reminds us always of who we truly are. Here, God calls Gideon mighty warrior not because midian not because Gideon threshing wheat was all that impressive but because the name Gideon in Hebrew quite literally means great destroyer or one who cuts down while Gideon's reality didn't match up with the fact that he had been named to be a warrior God's voice here came as a reminder that that was who he had actually been named and created to be our world would like us to believe the opposite a few weeks ago Chris talked about this concept of a false self which is basically where we create an artificial persona of ourselves that's based on sin, on trauma, on hurt, on pain in our lives. But to know God's voice, guys, we have to let go of that false self, and we have to embrace our God-given identity. We must know that we're sons, that we're daughters, that we're beloved, that we're sought after, that we're made with a purpose and a calling and intention. God's voice will always call out who we truly are. Practically, this means that when the enemy tries to tell us that we're weak or that we're not loving because we're not tolerant or we're not attractive enough or good enough, that we actually take captive those thoughts. We tend our hearts and we recognize that that isn't the voice of the Lord. It's actually an opposition to the voice of the Lord. It doesn't mean we won't be tempted to listen to those things, but it does mean that we can begin to decipher what God's voice is, what it sounds like, and what it's not. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to believe the lies. It's easier. Like when the enemy's like, you're really weak. I'm like, you're right, I am really weak. It's way easier to resonate with that. The good news is that even when we want to buy the lies, God steps in and he actually reminds us of who he is. He reminds us of who we are, and then he reminds us that he's bigger than that. In this verse, we saw that God said, Gideon, the Lord is with you. God Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, but sometimes we forget that. And we constantly need God's voice to remind us, just like he reminded Gideon, that he's with us. Sometimes, maybe this is just me, but I want to hear God in big, life-altering ways. I want to hear what I should do with my life. I want to hear when I'm going to get to buy a house. I used to want to hear when I would get married. Now I'm like, what's next? What's my career? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? How much money am I going to make? And God already knows all of those things. He already knows all the answers to those things. But what I'm beginning to learn about the Lord is that usually what he wants to talk about is my identity in him and his identity. Those are the things that he's constantly wanting to speak over us. I love Gideon's honesty here, because we all have those moments in life where like, yeah, God, you say I'm strong, but I'm not. Like, everything else in my life is telling me that I'm not. And God doesn't rebuke Gideon for having these questions, but God instead lovingly redirects Gideon back to what's actually important here. And that's what God's voice does. It redirects us back to what we need to be focused on, which is the will of God. And like we talked earlier, we're sheep. So we need to be redirected all the time. And God is so kind to keep redirecting us and keep redirecting us. His response to Gideon here is significant. He says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? What does God's voice sound like? It sounds like your go. His voice is a call to be sent and to obey. Here he was telling Gideon to go and lead and save a nation from raiders who had been destroying them for I think like 20 years or something crazy. It had been a long time. And sometimes your go is going to be a big moment where God says, hey, I want you to go share the gospel with that person. I want you to step out of your comfort zone and go talk to someone that you don't know. I want you to obey me in the ways that you've been running and not obeying me. And sometimes our obedience is smaller. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to turn my phone off, or I'm going to spend time with God, or I'm going to go to bed early because I need to sleep. Or it could even just be learning your identity in Christ. No matter what it is or what it looks like, God's voice always commissions us to action and obedience. Always. For this message, I studied a lot of scriptures, too many. And I'm a little bit of a grandma, and so I printed them out. So I had all these prints of different chapters of the Bible. And so I had Gideon, Samuel, Hannah, Paul, Elijah, John, all of them. I probably killed a small tree, unfortunately. But as I studied, guys, I saw something profound. Pretty much every time God showed up to these people, he showed up and did three things. The first thing he did was he called them by name. He reminded them of who he was, and then he would tell them their go, their place of obedience. And while I don't think that God is contained to a formula, I do know that he's steady, he's unchanging, he's consistent. And when he comes and he speaks, he does so to speak life and identity over us. To remind us of who he is, to tell us how he's inviting us to obey and become more like him. We can worship in spirit and in truth by knowing the God we worship and by hearing him speak to us. We hear his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you guys stand with me? I kept asking the Lord today, I was like, is there some awesome story that I could share at the end to wrap things up? And honestly, I waited a long time today and I didn't really feel like God gave me anything specific as far as a story but I do feel like he began to stir in me as I just began to think about my life in college and my life hearing God and I remember being in college and I remember the first time I came to awaken and I was like why is everyone so excited to worship God (laughs) I was like what is happening why are people praying over each other why is everyone hearing from God I'm standing here I love Jesus too I've loved him my whole life I'm not hearing him the way other people are And I remember that whole year of being in college ministry and being like, God, what's wrong with me? I'm like, why don't I hear you like all the other people around me? It was super discouraging. Fast forward to the next year. God did some crazy stuff in my life. And almost overnight, I started hearing him like never before like I wouldn't even be waiting on God and I'd be like oh he's speaking to me about this thing oh he's speaking to me about that person and it was like this crazy influx of the word of God almost to the point that I was like I don't even know what to do with this but it was awesome and it was so exciting and then I was thinking about the season that I've been in for the past year and a half or so and I was like yeah it's been a weird season It's a season where I know God is with me and I felt his presence a lot with me, but I haven't actually had a lot of clarity in the things that God's been speaking to me. And it's an interesting place to be when you're like, God, I know you're there, but I don't feel like I'm getting what I need from you, but I know that you're there. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if it's one of those three places or maybe somewhere else, but I do know that God wants to meet you whatever place that you're at and specifically tonight as we as we head into response time I want to put before us that this is the most important part of the night we can worship the worship's for the Lord it's not for us even if we feel good while we're worshiping the sermon you'll probably forget most of what I said two seconds after I get off the stage but the voice of God what God comes and he speaks to you now during response time could change the rest of your life And it could be as simple as him just telling that he loves you and reminding you of what your identity in him is. And so tonight, the invitation is just to sit and hear from God. If you need to hear him say your name, if you need him to speak identity, ask him. If you don't know what that really means, ask him. Ask him to tell you what he loves about you, what he sees in you you need him to remind you of who he is allow him to do that ask him where lies are in your heart places where you've put blocks up between you and the lord because maybe you don't believe god's good like what we sang at the beginning and you're like i need to do business with the lord i need to get past this and thirdly maybe you just need to hear your go you need God to speak what's next to obey and maybe you've been running from that maybe you've been running from what the next step of obedience is because obedience is hard and it's scary anyone who tells you differently is not telling you the truth no one said the following Jesus was easy but here's the thing guys nothing easy is worth it and nothing easy is eternal and as we go after the kingdom of God we want to go after eternal things the voice of God is eternal It was in Genesis, it's all the way to Revelation, and it goes on into eternity because his voice is that powerful. And so we're gonna jump into response, but I have one final thing. If you're like, I'm lost, I don't understand this whole response time thing, we actually are gonna have some sheets up here at the front of the stage. And these are honestly just discipleship resources. So if you don't wanna do this during response time, feel free to grab one and take it home with you. But these are just simple activities of hearing God sometimes we just need a little help, and this is our attempt to help you guys hear the voice of God in some new ways. So I'm going to pray us into worship, and let's respond. And one other thing I'll mention, move your body, move, go somewhere. Help your spirit and your body come into agreement that you're going to respond to the Lord right now. Jesus, we love you, and God, we need your voice. God, your people need your voice. Scripture tells us that without vision, without the voice of the Lord, the people perish. And God, we will perish without your voice. And so God, I just pray that you would come and you would speak. God, I pray that you would speak to some people in this room for the first time tonight. God, I pray that you would come and that you would remind us of who we are in you. God, you would remind us that who you are. And God, would you come and commission us to obey and to respond. In Jesus' name, let's respond.